I'm Ingrid Delamar Kenny. I'm the CEO and founder of The Method. She's also my wife and she's the smartest woman I've ever met. First of all, she's my mom and she's really cool. She's all that and she's a superhero. Never mind CEO, she's gangster. This is the Pardon My French podcast. On this episode, you'll hear about wellness, fitness, Frenchism, and lifestyle, a Trey fucking chic gangster podcast. Hosted by fitness and wellness French hedonism guru and creator of The Method, The Body, yours truly, Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from Monte Carlo, Monaco. On this show, you'll find a mix of audio entertainment, including listener and audience questions answered about health wellness, lifestyle, family, and relationships, and my French holistic tips to be healthy, have your best body, and transform both your body and your mindset into the happiest ever, as well as living la belle vie lifestyle like a chic French gangster. Hi everyone, this is Pardon My French Podcast and I am your host Ingrid Delamarcani, live from Monaco. Today we're going to talk about intermittent fasting because so many of you are asking me so many questions about it um, and also it's something I'm really passionate about as far as giving out the right information and talking about doing this in a safe and healthy way. Um, Susan is also going to be on this episode. Susan is my manager of operations at The Method. She's joining me for a small portion of the podcast to help me weed out through all the questions that you guys have sent me on Instagram on the question form that I submitted. Um, so we're going to weed out through some of your questions and we're going to chit chat a little bit about Breast Cancer Awareness Month because we're still in October and as I am very involved in Pink Ribbon Monaco, um, which is uh, the association here for breast cancer research and Susan is a breast cancer survivor. So it seems really befitted to tap a little bit into that since we're all about empowering women on this podcast, although men are also welcome to listen to us. Um, but Susan is a great inspiration and I think it's wonderful to have her on just to talk about the fact that she survived breast cancer and what she's doing about it today to bring awareness with beautiful um, creations of her own. So we're going to be talking about the bracelets that she's created for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Obviously, they are pink. They're beautiful. We're going to post the link um, to find them and contribute to this beautiful cause um, on the podcast notes. I also have to apologize in advance for the quality of the sound on uh, the portion uh, where Susan is joining us. For some reason, as you know, we're very new to this and for some reason when we put the two of us on the recording even though we have incredible equipment this is sort of an echo uh behind my voice just on the portion with susan so i already apologize for that but the thing is susan is 
you know, so busy taking care of my whole operation that we took like 30 minutes out of her super busy day to get her on the podcast. She did the best that she could. And I found that she was so adorable and cute. I'm sure you guys will adore her as I do, um, but I didn't want to put her through the torture because she's more stage frightened than I am. I didn't want to put her through the torture of recording it again. So please indulge us and be patient with us. There's the portion in the recording of this podcast where Susan joins me, where there's a strange echo behind my voice. It's still not such bad quality, but it's not as good as I would want it to be or as good as the rest of the podcast, which I'm recording on my own. We will be working on it. So next time Susan or anyone else joins, we'll make sure that the quality is uh, enjoyable. We don't want to be bringing your cortisol level up by annoying you with bad quality sound as you're listening to me or to us um, commuting to work or to the gym or to taking the kids to school. Now let's say that this podcast is about French-izing yourself. So like the French, become a little bit more French wherever you are, wherever you live, whatever your lifestyle is. So let's talk about intermittent fasting and what does it have to do with being French. Something got me thinking. Le breakfast. The breakfast is breaking the fast. So technically, you're breaking a very short fast because you have dinner, let's say, at 8 p.m. And then you wake up in the morning, 7 or 8 a.m., and you're going to break your fast and eat. Um, in French, breakfast is called le petit déjeuner. Petit déjeuner translates to the little unfast, the little lunch. I think that is really something behind that. If that is the official word for breakfast, le petit déjeuner, there's a word petit in it, small. So that's exactly what your breakfast should be. It should be small. And in France, we don't really have any specialty for breakfast other than maybe croissants and um, chocolate croissants. There's really nothing else that the French are known for when it comes to breakfast. And the reason for that is because most French people will go down to a cafe. If they're going to have breakfast, they'll order an espresso or the cafe au lait and they'll order a croissant or a chocolate croissant. And that's what they'll have. And if you think about it, even though we all talk about how bad pastries are, when you look at the size of the croissants here, they're not the size of your croissants in the States. And the chocolate, the chocolate croissant is actually much smaller. Um, so that's already an intuitive thing that the French do is that they don't eat very much for breakfast. Their breakfast is called the little breakfast. Um, and so it got me thinking that definitely when it comes to quantities, we all are kind of programmed to say you have to have a big, earthy, healthy um, breakfast and it's always a big breakfast when you ever eat when you ever hear a parent talking to their children they say well if you want to do well in school you have to have a huge breakfast well I don't know about you but when I eat whether I eat a super healthy meal or not as long as I have a full meal for the next hour or two during digestion 
I don't feel very productive. I kind of feel foggy and tired. And I know that's the truth for a lot of us because your gut enzymes are going to work and that makes you tired. So when I started working um, at the method, I realized that a lot of the athletes that were coming to me were doing something called intermittent fasting. And I realized what I was doing had a name. I always, always throughout my life as an athlete, even when I was a ballet dancer, I always worked out on an empty stomach because digestion and food made me less productive and less performant. Now, you know how much I like to go back in history. I think that our ancestor and the people before us, especially when it comes to our French, my French ancestors, we're definitely onto something. And this life today has been flooded and crowded with supplementing and adding a lot, a lot, a lot into our lives as far as getting healthier. And I feel like the more we're adding, the, le- the less people are healthy. I mean, the cancer rate is higher today than it ever was back in the 40s or back in the 60s. So it got me thinking, the French, um, during World War II, their breakfast was actually soup. It was a broth that included the small quantities of food that they had left from the supper the night before, for financial reasons, obviously, but also because the French didn't find a need to fuel up the minute they woke up. I mean, you just woke up. Why do you need to refuel with loads of protein and carbs from the morning? Why do you need to weigh your body down with carbs and protein before you even burn anything? People will say you burn calorie while you're sleeping, but you're not really burning that much calories. And you've rested your digestive system for about eight hours. And that's why very often when you wake up in the morning and you let the sunlight in, you feel a lot of clarity. I've had some of my best ideas waking up in the morning to daylight on an empty stomach. So which intermittent fasting pattern do I like? A very easy one, one that's natural and that's not torture. As you guys know, I don't like dieting. I don't like programs. I don't like um, a notebook where I'm journaling what I eat. Like the last time I had a fucking journal was to write who my first kiss was. And let me tell you, that journal was fucking useless. So journaling the food you take in, like who's going to read this? Your grandchildren when you're dead and they're gonna go oh look at grandma she ate two carrots on tuesday october 22nd what the fuck are you journaling seriously sorry i get a little bit excited about that i am you know if you've listened to my podcast on the skinny confidential you know where i've been and you know what i've gone through so you know i've been behind bars and you know that for one year I had pieces of shit motherfuckers telling me what I could do and couldn't do and what I could eat and couldn't eat and I had to punch in a card each time I went to eat something so when I see people that have the freedom and the privilege of living a beautiful life people with money people with you know success and um you know again, freedom. And I see them putting themselves in a literal 
self, you know, penitentiary by journaling their food and abiding by freaking programs of how much carbs and calories they should eat. I want to tell you, if I wanted to abide by any fucking rule like that, I go back to jail. So you're journaling your food? Why? Why? Go write a memoir instead or something. And I don't know. But that's useless and that's stressful. That brings your cortisol levels up. And that's to someone like me that's been where I've been. That's fucking ridiculous. That's freaking ridiculous to put yourself through your own little jail. Like why? Life is too short and you have to be happy. A happy person will have an easier time getting skinny than a miserable person. And that's why I say looking at salad makes me feel miserable. Salad is not a meal. I've explained it over and over again. Salad is uh, either an appetizer, an entree, like we call it in French. I know you guys call the entree the main course, but whatever. In France, an entree is how you enter your meal. And so that's a salad. And that's for a small meal. And a big meal, usually the salad comes after the plat de résistance, which is your main course, which translates to your resistance dish, which is the dish that's going to fuel your body to um, achieve whatever you have to achieve during your day and to give you the energy you need to go on about your day, whether you're working out, whether you're running to work, whether you're standing on your feet all day being a salesperson or a hairstylist, the plat de résistance, the main course, is what's going to help you resist with strength and power throughout the rest of your day. So a salad is not a main course and you shouldn't eat it as a main course, even if you load it with mozzarella or chicken or zucchini, it's still not a main course. And it's not satisfying to the mind. So I'm going to, I've been talking to you a lot about cortisol. I'm going to talk to you about the gremlin. Let me say, okay, we have cortisol. That's the hormone that is your stress hormone. And this stress hormone is a trigger for a bunch of other hormones. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the ghrelin hormone. That's your hunger hormone. That's the hormone that decides whether you're saturated or not. That's actually the, the hormone, not that decides whether you're saturated or not. That's the hormone that decides you're not saturated at all. So what happens, and I call it the gremlin because it truly is a gremlin. And if you want to look at an enemy, don't look at your food as your enemy. Look at ghrelin as your enemy, your ghrelin hormone, your hunger hormone. And how does it get triggered? Well, it can get triggered by your cortisol levels being high and looking at a bowl of salad makes my cortisol level go high if I know that's the only meal I'm going to be eating, if I'm going to eat that as a main course and as my only course, as a matter of fact. Um, ghrelin can also be raised by uh, being stressed out being stressed out by a very noisy environment. You will notice that when you go to a restaurant in France, very often, it's super quiet. French people talk very low. And it's funny because this summer, we had friends coming over from the States. And at the end of the lunch, 
one of the guys said, oh, you must like be so sick of us. We are so loud compared to you guys. And I wasn't sick of them because I adore them. And part of me is American. So it felt so good to feel a piece of home. And, you know, Americans are outgoing and they're fun. And I find that the French are a bit stuck up sometimes. But one thing they got going for them by being stuck up is that they keep their cortisol level low while they eat. And so the ghrelin hormone doesn't act up. And so it's like you want to make sure that you pick a restaurant where there's not too much noise if you're one of those people that tends to crave food and crave food unexplicably like you cannot explain why you're craving certain carb-rich food then that means that your ghrelin hormone is acting up and usually it's triggered by the cortisol level and usually that's triggered by your environment and very often the noise around you so if you're eating in a very, very noisy place, you're having a big brunch at Bagatelle, let's say, in New York City, um, you will realize that you have more of a tendency to go for the fries and the pancakes and the bread on the table. There's a thing about it. Noise makes your cortisol level go up and it triggers your ghrelin hormone to act up and makes you very hungry and usually makes you hungry for carb-rich food. So that's another thing to look for, a healthy, less noisy environment. You want to eat in a quiet place. I'm not saying not to go to uh, those cool restaurants. I mean, we go to them. We were um, at Sass Cafe in Monaco last night, and it's quite noisy. Once in a while, it's okay if you overcompensate with great company, and it's a great night. And I mean, I was having a wonderful glass of piscine with you know my husband and it was a date so the noise didn't affect my cortisol level because I was extremely relaxed but if we're talking about your lunchtime or if we're talking about brunch which you would say well during brunch I'm relaxed but you're really not you're arriving and you waited until noon to have brunch and it's Saturday or Sunday you're releasing all the stress from your very busy week and you're arriving and there's all this noise already and what you see on menus, brunch menus, is usually like, you know, pancakes, omelets, french fries, um, you know, uh, like all this stuff that's kind of so appealing and pleasing and it's brunch and you should indulge a little bit in them. But I do think that the background noise and the overall energy of those places does contribute to making you hungrier. So when you are spending your week um, not leisure-wise, meaning when you're during your work week or your week busy with the kids and you're going to go eat lunch or you're going to have dinner, look for a quiet environment, a quieter environment. So your cortisol level can stay low and you could trigger your ghrelin hormone a little less. So I went on a tangent on that because it's something that's been in my head. Like now that I know I have a podcast and I, I have information that I want to share with you guys, I'll be even in the shower thinking about like, oh my God, I need to mention that. And um, the other day, I we went into a place and it was really, really noisy and I had to go back to work at 2 p.m. And I looked at my daughter and I said, you know what? I don't think I should eat here. It's very noisy. I feel like I'll be hungry again in two hours from the stress this noise is going to cause me. I need to be settled and I need to be calm to go back to work at two and focus on my clients and my appointments. 
So it's a great trick. Somebody sent me a question saying, give us some tricks to lower our cortisol levels. Um, and that's one great trick is looking for a quiet environment. If you have children that scream next to you and they're not your children, that's going to stress you out. Don't strangle the kid. Just ask to be moved somewhere else. You know, tell your waiter kindly, I'm working in an hour and I need to just relax a little bit. And the sound of this kid screaming next to me is not relaxing. And you will know deep down inside that you are doing a great thing for your ghrelin, your hunger hormone, your gremlin. Um, and you will contribute to maybe eating less bread or having the impulse of going for carb-rich food on the table um, because you're minding your cortisol level and you're being mindful of your ghrelin hormone. I think I'll do a whole episode about ghrelin um, and also about your satiation hormone. Those are hormones no one talks about. No one even realizes the hormones and they are linked to your cortisol level as much as your thyroid glands and your adrenal glands another thing is when you work out if you're working out in a very noisy environment chances are you're affecting the size of your midsection this extreme noise or if there is an aerobic an aerobics class next to you where they're wearing a the, the coach is wearing a microphone uh, to instruct and they're putting very loud music to set the tone this might be extremely stressful. This might be rising your cortisol level. And as much as your discipline, whatever you're doing next to this class is not cardio or is not high impact, you might still be affecting the size of your midsection because your cortisol level is rising up from all that noise and this high beat energy. So if you're one of those people that's struggling with lack of results, or reverse result of what you want, even though you feel like you're doing the perfect workout or you're eating healthy, look at the noise around you. But I'm talking about real noise. I know I always talk about influencer noise and information noise, like stuff that crowds your mind with information, etc. Et now I'm really talking about noise, noisy environment, screams, loud music, um, high beat energy in classes, even sometimes juice bars where they yell out people's names to, you know, to, to give them their juice because they've been waiting online. You might want to stay away from this type of environment if you feel that perhaps your ghrelin hormone, your hunger hormone, your gremlin inside you is acting up. So that's a good trick. And I know this wasn't part of talking about intermittent fasting, but it's all tied together. So um, I'm going to connect it nicely for you so you can understand where I'm coming from and where I'm going with this conversation. So let's talk a little bit intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting, how do I prefer to do it and why? I got a little bit sidetracked, sorry. Um, I like to lower my calorie intake at certain time of the day. But that does not mean that it lowers my caloric intake at all. So you need to know that intermittent fasting is not a diet and it's not a calorie deficit program at all. You eat the same amount of calories and the same amount of carbs and the same amount of protein you would in a day, but following a different pattern and simplifying your life simplifying your digestion and the number of hours that you put your digestive system to work by lowering the, the times in the day that you eat. 
So I like to intermittent fast for 16 hours because that is something that fits into my schedule. Um, it has to fit into your schedule. So please don't go do intermittent fasting and say, well, Ingrid said 16 hours and abide by it, even though it doesn't work into your schedule, because that's going to bring your cortisol level up. If the 16 hours, the way that I do it, doesn't fit into your schedule because we don't have the same life, but you abide by it because you think it's a rule that I gave you and I hate rules, your cortisol level is going to go up because you're going to pretty much enter a rat race to fit this intermittent fasting 16-hour rule that you think I have into your schedule. And it's like trying to make a circle go inside a square brings your cortisol level up. So you will have to intuitively set your intermittent fasting rules and adjust them to your lifestyle. So for me, the reason why 16-hour works is because... I have dinner with my children and my husband around 8 p.m. every night. And then we chit-chat after dinner. We watch a little bit of TV. I'll answer my last emails. I'll send the kids to bed. And I'll go to sleep. So the fact that we're going to sleep and we just ate and we're satiated, perfect timing to go into intermittent fasting. So I would say don't start your intermittent fasting, of course, um, at 4 p.m the best thing to do is to do it at the end of your day when you're going to sleep. But if you're a nurse or a police officer and you have a night shift, by all means, change what I'm saying to what works for you. So I start my intermittent fast after my dinner. So my dinner is 8 p.m. I don't know what time I finish. You know, we French people take a long time. So we will have a, an hour-long dinner. So maybe I will start it around 9 p.m. And then I wake up the next day and usually I go to work with clients. I start my day with athletes. Now, I condition athletes for a living. That's part of my day. And then the rest of the time, I condition people like you and me. Uh, I, I train people like you and me. But the athletes come to me for performance conditioning, which means that I condition their body to be performant in their own discipline. And I work out with them because the method is an intricate workout and it's too hard to explain and to describe the movement so I do the workout with my clients and I have to be performant so for me intuitively intermittent fasting for many years because working out on an empty stomach made me a better performer and a definitely a better teacher I found that when I ate something before I went to train a client I had a harder time opening up my dialogue and explaining and describing exactly how to do things it's like the cognitive between the mind and the body was not as quick when I ate something so I start at 9 p.m I go to sleep I wake up now when I wake up what would happen to me is ever so often I would feel hungry or I would feel like I need something and one thing I need is my coffee now some people would think you're breaking the fast but an intermittent fast is not a religious belief. You're not breaking anything, okay? So if you need to have coffee or tea, by all means, have coffee or tea. Caffeine is a great metabolic booster. So technically, if you realize that you're doing intermittent fasting, and please don't do it to lose weight. Don't do it in this perspective, even though that's the end result that you will get. But when you say, I do intermittent fasting to be kind to my body and rest my digestive system. So intermittent fasting is a digestive rest. You're resting your digestive system. 
And so coffee does not bother that because it's a metabolic booster. So when you have coffee, you're boosting your metabolism and you're helping that digestive rest. Now, as you guys know, this is how I've come across inulin. Inulin is fiber. Fiber is indigestible. It does not also bother your digestive rest, especially not inulin because you have fiber in some other types of fruits and vegetables, but those might actually put your digestive system at work because they're harder to digest. Inulin is not. Inulin is completely indigestible. It creates a sort of a gel in your tummy. And as it goes through your good gut bacteria, it goes to work on the enzymes. And the enzymes go into detox mode which is what we want, which is the essence it's, uh, itself of a digestive rest. Now, why do we do a digestive rest? And why does that digestive rest lead to weight loss? Well, let me make sense of it for you. Digesting with difficulty is actually something that rises your cortisol level. So giving a rest to your digestive system for more than eight hours will bring your cortisol level down. So when you go work out on that empty stomach and you bring your cortisol level up a little bit, because we need the cortisol to not be too low either. There is, there is a healthy cortisol level, which is a little, bit, a little bit high and a little bit low. It's not too high, not too low is what I'm saying. So you're only rising your cortisol level from working out to a healthy level because you're not digesting at the same time. So you're not kind of like, you know, ganging up on your cortisol level by putting it through digestion work and putting it through a workout. You're only putting it through one thing and it raises it, it rises it to a healthy level. Um, so that's why I love working out on an empty stomach. You're digging into your reserves, you're burning, you know, uh, into your reserves rather than a meal that you just ate. You're resting your digestive system, you're minding your cortisol level, and if you mind your cortisol level, you're avoiding insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is what makes you gain weight in your midsection. And when the cortisol levels shoot up to very high levels, you create insulin resistance. And instead of digging into your reserves, you create a midsection kind of insulin resistance that creates weight gain, especially in what I like to call the hormonal spots in your body. The midsection, like the muffin, what we call the muffin top, the butt area, the inner thighs area, that's where you're going to get it, where you gain weight when you have a hormonal imbalance. So intermittent fasting is great for that. Now, I get hungry. If I get hungry and it happens, I'm not one person that likes to suffer, as I explained before. I'm not going to suffer. I've suffered enough in my life. I had people telling me I couldn't eat when I wanted to eat before in my life. Now I'm going to eat when I want to. So if I get really hungry, first I try with the coffee and the inulin. And usually I'm not hungry at all. Then if I start a workout, the method is not one of those workouts that makes me scrumptious. On the contrary, when you finish with the method... You're activating so many abdominal muscles and psoas muscles and even thyroid gland muscles, the muscles around your thyroid glands because we bring the chin to the chest a lot as we activate the core. It actually has a great effect on the ghrelin hormone 
and we feel completely satiated. So that's another thing. You need to look into the workouts that don't make you scrumptious. A workout that makes you scrumptious means that it's a workout that brought your cortisol level very high. So with the intermittent fasting, you bring the cortisol level only to a certain healthy level when you're working out. And if you do get hungry, that's what I wanted to get back to. Sorry, I got sidetracked again. I have so much to tell you guys. Um, if I get hungry, I'll eat a fig. It's a great fiber. Um, it's, a great, it's great for fiber. And it's satisfying because it's a little bit sweet. But first and foremost, try the coffee with the inulin. And if you can't have coffee because it gives you the jitters, I have people that have told me that, then have tea. It won't satiate you as much, but if you do have black tea, which has caffeine in it, then the caffeine will go to work the way the coffee does. And you add inulin, and that's your fiber, and that's your satiation, and that's your prebiotic work on your enzyme and good gut bacteria. Um, so if I get hungry, then I'll have a bowl of blueberries and blackberries. Berries are full of fiber. They're mainly indigestible, and they're really a great, great intake of fiber for you. And they will satiate you. And they'll give you a little bit of satisfaction because they have sugar, a little bit of sugar. They're a little sweet. So you get the satisfaction um, and the satiation hormone to work for you, to work in your, you know. But don't say, okay, Ingrid said if I'm hungry, I should eat and go have pancakes. Please don't do that. And I'll explain why after. I'll explain my whole philosophy on eating pancakes and waffles and, you know, stacks of shit during a work week. Um, no matter how low carb it is or diet or fiber filled, I, I am so against the whole idea of eating something that looks like a Mac muffin, even if it's disguised as something that's diet. But I guess that's for another conversation. If not, this podcast is going to be four hours long and you guys will never listen to it again. Um, so once I've been able to find the satiation and most, then the body gets used to it. So you might want to go gradually about it. If you're a new intermittent faster, you're going to go very gradually about this. And the first few days you might be hungry. I would say try your inulin coffee with, or your inulin tea. Um, and that will not break your fast. I'm repeating this again because I got so many questions. Caffeine and inulin are not something that are going to break your fast because they don't put your digestive system into work. So they don't, they don't disrupt your digestive rest. Um, and for a few days, you may need gradually to have some, you know, fruits that have fiber in them to satiate you or even just a date. Although I'm not loving the date part because it's extremely sweet. And for some people, the sweetness will make them, um, will make them crave even more, but that really depends on you and on your gut, on your good gut bacteria, because for me, a date completely satiates me and makes me want for nothing else. So gradually for a few days until your body gets used to not having that huge breakfast, you've been brainwashed to, ha to, to have your whole life and you've had professionals and parents and, you know, fitness experts telling you, you need to have a hefty breakfast before you work out for fuel. Um, once you've deprogrammed that by eating a few, you know, berries and having an inulin coffee or an inulin tea, the second week in, you will not be hungry at all. So what I do is I work with clients. And as you know, in France at 12.01 p.m., 
you go and have lunch. You have a lunch break. So my lunch break, let's say I finish working with clients around noon or 12.30. By the time I get to my lunch spot, it's 1 p.m. I will break my fast at that point. So from 8 or 9 p.m. the night before to 1 p.m. the next day. And if you're hungry and you're eating berries, don't consider that you failed. Consider that you're failing would be that you broke a rule. But no one's giving you rules here. There are no rules to intermittent fasting. There are rules to the Ramadan. It's a religious rule. There's rule to Yom Kippur with fasting. And if you drink water in the 25 hours fast, then you broke the fast. But with intermittent fasting, there is no intermittent God that wrote the rules. And I'm definitely not an intermittent God or any kind of God. And I don't write no rules. And I hate rules. Except the laws because we have to abide by them. But when it comes to dieting and living your life, there's no rules, truly. And there is your intuition. So if you're eating berries, don't say, oh my gosh, I broke the fast. And don't write to me and say, I'm so disappointed. I missed on a day of intermittent fasting. You didn't miss on anything because you ate fiber, you ate berries. Your digestive system is still resting. You didn't give it a baguette to digest with butter. You didn't give it a yogurt with cereals to digest. You didn't give it waffles or pancakes to digest. And please don't tell me, but I put fiber in my waffles. So technically... It's indigestible. It's digestible. Okay. There's eggs in there. There's coconut oil. It's, it's digestible and you digested it and you put your body to digestive work. So that's obviously not intermittent fasting. Let's not get carried away. And let's, let's not be an asshole. Let's not be extra, extra. So berries are okay. You're not breaking your fast. You're not a failure thinking you're a failure in diet or that you broke the rules or that you have to do a reset on Monday, like a reset of what? Are you a machine? Who the fuck is resetting? I reset my phone to factory setting when it's fucked up. You're not fucked up. You're a human being. So if you ate a little bit during the weekend, please don't do a reset on Monday. You're not an iPhone. You are a human being who enjoyed your life. And you ate with intuition, I hope, rather than with emotion. But calling yourself a failure or selling you, saying you failed on your intermittent fast or selling you failed this weekend on journaling your food or eating a certain way of life, you're eating according to a certain program or way of life, so you have to reset on Monday, that brings your cortisol level up and makes your midsection fat. So you have to change your mindset. I'm going to say it again. Think like the French. French eyes your mind. French eyes your life. And so once you have mastered the intermittent fasting way, once you've found where those 15 or 16 hours work into your lifestyle, not my 16 or 15 hours, your 16, 15 or 16 hours. Once you figured it out, by the time you eat at 1 p.m., and especially if you're taking inulin, and especially if you're having caffeine, like high-performing athletes do, what you will crave for, what your body will crave for at lunch, because you've been so good to your good gut bacteria by resting your digestive system, it will reward you by 
not acting up, by not having your ghrelin hormone acting up and wanting for carb-rich food. It will reward you by putting the ghrelin hormone to sleep and wanting for green, vibrant vegetables, healthy, lean proteins, and overall not lacking for slow sugar carb-rich food like pasta, like bread, like potato. You won't crave for that. And try it. Try it and tell me it isn't so. That digestive rest that you put your body through is so good for you. And at the same time, it's so mentally and emotionally good for you. It creates this clarity. It gets rid of that weird digestive fog that we have after we eat a heavy meal. And there's definitely no reason to start a morning with a stack of pancakes, with a baguette, or even with two or three slices of carb, low-carb bread. There's no reason to start the day this way and create this fog in your mind. During those fasts, your, toxin, your toxins are being circulated in the body in order for your organs to dearm them. So resting the digestive system lowers your cortisol level to healthy levels. It's difficult to constantly be digesting. digesting. So when, when nutritionists and dietitians tell you you need to have four small meals a day, I disagree. And I disagree because I think that rises your cortisol level. When you're constantly digesting, even if it's fiber, even if it's a dietitian who told you you can have a handful of almonds and uh, GG pizzas or they tell you to have a smoothie, you're still putting your digestive system through a lot of work all day. All day you're digesting. When you're done digesting one thing, by that time, you're about to eat another one of those small dietitian recommended meals and putting your digestive system to work again. And that rises your cortisol level and that creates insulin resistance. And that is what causes midsection weight gain. I repeated it 10 times. I think by now you know it. So digestion all day long is a form of stress that you impose on your digestive system. And that's what you need to look at. When you do intermittent fasting, don't think of it as starving yourself because you're not. You're going to have the same exact intake of calories you would during a normal day of eating three meals. But you're doing it with a different pattern so that you can rest that digestive system down. You're also changing the functions of your cells, your genes, and your hormones. Since going through so many motions of the, fem of the feminine hormonal stages, from puberty, motherhood, miscarriages, to turning 30, turning 37, having estrogen highs and lows, I always talk about that because that's what happened to me. That's, what I've, that's why I've had miscarriages. I've become so aware of how important hormones are to our weight gain or weight loss, even more than food and diet. So when you're doing intermittent fasting, you need to go with the mindset that you're being kind to your hormones, that you're negotiating kindly with your hormones. You're not supposed to look at it like a diet. As a matter of fact, you're not even supposed to think of food that way. Food is not your enemy. 
What is, is the way that you choose to eat it and digest it. If you're one of those people that is always on some sort of diet, and even though you feel like you're on a non-deprivation type of diet because you're eating a lot of fiber and there's a lot of food that are allowed or they allow you to eat protein, um, you're one of those people that also doesn't get the result that you want. You need to be asking yourself if perhaps food is not your enemy here, but hormones are. Because you've triggered, you've, triggered, you've triggered the wrong hormones in your body. Hormonal weight gain is way more important than what you eat. In other words, if people that diet all the time, cutting carbs, cutting calories, or counting fiber minus carbs, and any type of other programs like the ketogenic diets or whatever, and you can't still, you still can't lose your midsection or the water retention in your thighs, arms, or midsections, then chances are your issue is hormonal. And hormones don't have to do with diet. They have to do with your digestive system and the stress you put your digestive system through. So intermittent fasting will definitely help with that and mainly with insulin resistance, which is the huge culprit for those that don't eat much and still hit a plateau with weight loss. So if you're one of those people that you don't eat much, you exercise very, very much, and you feel like you have a very healthy lifestyle, but you're hitting a plateau or you're still not losing weight, then you need to know that it's not what you eat, it's your hormones. And you need to start loving your body from within because the hormones are within. So you need to start looking at your weight loss journey a little bit differently. If you are one of those people that's eating very healthy and working out and still feel like your midsection and hips are prone to weight gain when you don't abide by those rules. When you cause insulin resistance from cortisol rising and it's causing your body stress through, for example, intense workouts or difficult digestion or excess intake of protein or eating crudités like fennel or broccoli or cauliflower, but you're eating them raw. You get your abdomen to become a fat depot instead of allowing the insulin to go where it is usually stored to be burned by everyday activity, including walking, sleeping. So you want to think about that. And if I were you, I would replay this part again and again and again until you understand that this can restore, this can restore your love for food because sometimes it has nothing to do with what you eat. It has to do with how you eat. So I'm not giving you a license to eat hamburgers and pizza. On the contrary, once you're going to think of all of this the way that I just described, your body is not going to want for pizza or hamburgers. Your body is going to start craving healthy options. Yummy, green, vibrant, well-cooked vegetables, lean proteins, Amazing prebiotic, probiotic cheeses. 
that's what your body is going to want for because your hormones decide what you want. I don't decide what you want. Your dietitian and nutritionist don't decide what you want. We tell you what you want, but the bottom line is you need, to, you need your hormones to want them. So I think if you're going to go into intermittent fasting, this is how you need to look at this. Now, I have to put in a small disclaimer, and I'm sorry if it sounds very operational and very procedural, but if you're somebody that has struggled with an eating disorder, I would be very careful trying myself at intermittent fasting because if you're not emotionally fit for intermittent fasting, you will take this to an unhealthy dimension I don't want to see you taking it to. So if you are someone who has a terrible relationship with food and you haven't heard enough of my words of my podcast to be completely convinced about what I'm telling you and you're going to take those 16 hours to a 20-hour fast or you're not going to listen to your body and you're not going to eat the bowl of berries like I said you should or eat at all, like I said you should, if you feel really hungry and you, and you feel lightheaded, and you're not going to take into consideration that this is not a calorie deficit program, then don't try yourself at intermittent fasting. Do a little bit more work on your emotional attachment to food. Do a little bit more work on your mind before you set your body to do the intermittent fast. So before your body does the work, your mind and your emotions have to be in check or you will set yourself up for an unhealthy disaster. And that's not the point of intermittent fasting. And that's why it took me so long to speak up about it because I was afraid that if I didn't put out enough information about it, it would not be used the right way. Don't look at it like a dieting tool. Don't look at it like a weight loss tool. Look at it as a detoxing tool. Doing good to yourself. Doing good to your gut. Loving your body from within. Now, intermittent fasting is also a great tool for people that stress out about what to eat on a daily basis. If you are tortured by making mindful, healthy choices every day, Cutting out breakfast is actually a great way to bring your cortisol level down and de-stress about what you're going to eat because technically all you have to worry about is two meals, two meals that have to be nutritious, that have to bring you the calories that you need in a day. So you kind of like cut your worry in a third a third of your worry is gone away because you don't have to worry about whether your breakfast is going to be a disappointing choice. So that's great also on the mental aspect of it. Um, you have to know that intermittent fasting reduces oxidative stress. It reduces inflammation. It reduces blood sugar levels and insulin resistance. And several studies have shown that intermittent fasting may increase the growth of new nerve cells, which should have benefits for brain function. 
And I do believe in that because I find that when I intermittent fast, I actually have a lot clearer mind and I don't have that fogginess I spoke about before. So the energy level is high. And for people like me that need to perform, and whether you're an athlete as a performer, whether you're, you're uh, you know, a, a chairman or whether you're, you're a speaker of some kind or even a teacher and you need your energy level to be high and upbeat, it might do really good for your brain to be less fog, foggy and a lot sharper. I know it's worked for me and I know a lot of you wrote to me and said, you know what, you're right. I feel less foggy. So as I like to say, be careful with intermittent fasting. Don't be an intermittent asshole. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I can't apologize enough for the sound quality on the portion where Susan joined me. We need to figure out how to get the one-on-one thing going without that weird echo. But I thank Susan so much for joining me on this episode and um, beating a little bit of a stage fright. She was so worried about getting on and said, oh, I'm not a natural. I'm going to be awful. People are going to think I'm an idiot. But she sounds great. And Susan is the perfect example of choices that I've made in my life to keep my cortisol level low. When I interviewed um, candidates for this job, actually, I created this position for her. But originally, I, I, I was interviewing candidates for a paid internship. I was looking for an energy level of someone that's going to help so much keep my cortisol level low because my job can be stressful. I work on two time zones, the French time zone and the American time zone with American clients. I have the virtual platform running. I have my private clients here. Some of them are, you know, a professional athletes, high profile with very heavy demands. Um, I have clients that travel the world, so they need me to be, you know, ready, set, go for them right before they jump onto their planes. I, you know, I'm now running the the inulin and sales part of the method, which is something really new for us, and we didn't expect the success. And so when I was looking for someone to help I was looking at the energy level of my candidates and said I need someone that's going to bring my cortisol level low and Susan she's like a magical person she is so calm but she can she can get my shit together like no one else can she's running the show and when you ask her like are you okay I know you had a crazy day she goes ah It was tough, but it was all right. It was rewarding. And she says it with this quiet, amazing voice. So Susan is like the perfect example of a collaborator that you should hire and have by your side that will help you simplify your life and bring your cortisol level down. She definitely does that for me. She's so amazing. She's really on the ball she answers all of the emails she gets all of my appointments you know fixed and together and you know on on a tight agenda and at the same time she has a way of telling me that even when there is a reason for panic everything is all right and we're doing great so that's my last piece of advice if you can find your susan 
<laughs> and uh, and facilitate your lowering of cortisol level where you can control it because I know you can't always control the environment where you work or your environment at home we can't control you know what life throws at us but we can control portions of it so if you can help having a little less noise around you while you eat and you can control that do it if you have a choice of someone you collaborate with that is not loud or high-pitched or nervous, do it. Every little bit of your life where you can be a little bit more French, where you could Frenchize your life, go for it and do it. Always wonder, what would a French person do? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I'm getting better at it. And see you actually talk to you guys next week now i'm going to post a link on the notes of this podcast to our anchor account which is our podcast provider at the moment if you get on my profile on anchor on pardon my french you can actually leave a voice message with your questions or your comments and we may feature them on the next episode. So be sure to find that link on the podcast notes and leave us a message or a pressing question that I can answer for you. On these words, let me remind you that you can work out with me for free as we have some free flash workouts on the website. We will post the links also on the podcast notes. You can also work out with me via the virtual platform. You have the choice of getting two different equipments. One is the affordable version, which is good for a trial period if you're not sure you want to commit and you just want to get your toes wet. And the other one is our original reformer stick, which is slightly higher in price, but is definitely more performant. And for those of you that are ready to commit to this new lifestyle and to transforming your body this is available on the methodmc.com we will post a link our inulin simply inulin is manufactured in the uk it's a country that i trust wholeheartedly when it comes to supplements because they abide by two sets of regulations the european health regulations and the uk health regulations both sets of regulations compel them to disclose all of the contents of the supplements that they're manufacturing, which means that if you are buying inulin manufactured in the UK, you will get 100% pure inulin, no hidden additives like you would find in FDA-approved products from the States. I have spoken about those regulations over and over again. If you guys are interested to know more about this, please let me know so I can address this in another podcast episode. You can get Simply Inulin on our website and you could get the little bling that goes with it, which is somewhat comical. You'll understand what I mean if you go and take a look on our website. If you have any questions, comments, constructive criticism, 
be sure to share them with me on Instagram via private message. I answer all of my messages. Thank you for listening and joining me today. It's been a pleasure to be your host. Bye, big kisses from Monaco. Au revoir.